Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church this morning. We're glad you're here. Everybody's just abuzz with excitement and, and smiles today. It's great. It's because of all the rain, right? No, we're glad you're here. Last week was uh, kind of a rough weather week, and, and uh, everybody's back this week, and we're really glad you're able to be here today. And so today we pray that it would be a worshipful day for you as we worship the Lord and uh, through song and through uh, the preaching of the word and through our giving this morning. So I want to make a couple of announcements uh, that are coming up. We, today our class, the Steadfast Life class, are going to be going to Los Cabos uh, after church today. Uh, we have a um, meeting with the uh, trustees after church immediately following, and then uh, we'll have a, a brief business meeting today at the end of the service, and next week we'll have a, another business meeting uh, for the uh, budget and election of officers, so be aware of those things coming up. Uh, also, uh, mark your calendars for the Easter egg hunt. There's a lot of things. I wanted to say the, the new uh, February uh, announcement sheet is out there on the lobby and, and on the Welcome Center table. And also, if you didn't notice, the uh, uh, New Life Teens group are, are doing a fundraiser out there for their Gatlinburg trip. So uh, if you don't like sweets, they'll probably take a donation. I don't think that'd be a problem for them. So uh, you do that. I want to make one last announcement. We have a special person with us today, and him and his wife. We're so glad to have Tom Burdett here today. And Sharon, they're back with us. Tom's really doing well from his uh, liver transplant surgery, big surgery, and, and everything's going well. So uh, we're glad he's here whenever he can be. We're thankful, so uh, remember that. As we worship today, let's just give the Lord our praise, our focused attention, and as we uh, sing, let's sing out unto the Lord this morning. So let's pray. We'll open our service with prayer, and then uh, the praise team will lead us. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for today. Thank you for blessings of, of people being in our midst that haven't been able to for a while due to weather or even illness like Tom and, and Sharon. We're so thankful that they're able to be with us today. Uh, those that may not be here that can watch on Facebook, we're grateful for them as well. Please uh, be with them as they watch today. Lord, be with our services. We pray for uh, everything, every aspect of our service today, the music, the singing, and the uh, giving and our offering time, and as well, uh, most importantly, the preaching of the word, that we would uh, be able to apply it to our lives and be changed and uh, increase our faith because of your word. So today, we want to give you the honor and the glory. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with the praise team as we sing Mighty to Save? God is mighty to save. He is mighty. 
I'll ask the ushers to come forward as we prepare to collect the offering. Uh, in my class, in the uh, Committed Life class, we're going through a book called 12 Ordinary Men, talking about the, the 12 disciples and the type of character that they uh, demonstrated and lived. And we went through, uh, in a, a good, timely um, fashion, going through the qualifications of officers of the church, which is timely because we're getting ready to elect our officers next week, Lord willing. And going through those qualifications, we see that bishops, elders, uh, deacons, uh, pastors, all these officers are to uh, be reverent, to hold the mystery of faith with a pure conscience, be uh, temperate, faithful in all things. And at the conclusion of these qualifications, here's what Paul says. He says in verse 14 of 1 Timothy 3, These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. As we elect our officers, as we go about our daily ways here at Crosspoint, we're to hold the mystery of the word of God uh, reverently. We're to, to live it out. We're to hear God's word. We're to process it. And we're to seek to live it out. And we're to do so because the church is the pillar and ground of truth. We are here to proclaim the truth, but we're also here to receive it and to live it out. Let that be a, a challenge to all of us, not just as we elect officers, but as we go about our daily ways, we go to work, we go to school, we go uh, out in the community. We are to be representatives of this church, the pillar and ground of truth. Let's pray and pray that God uh, empowers us to live out that truth as he sees fit. Lord, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this time that we can be here today to, to worship you in spirit and truth. We pray that as your word goes forth, that it will challenge us, that we will see things and hear things that we need to clean up in our lives and live lives that are honoring and pleasing to you. As we collect this offering, we're praying that you'll use it to forward the gospel. Ultimately, Crosspoint serves as a, a beacon and a lighthouse to shine the light of Christ everywhere that we can to tell people about Jesus Christ and how that can serve him faithfully. Help us to do so as well. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, no matter where you may find yourself this morning, um, in your heart of hearts, you may be excited, and there's a lot of energy in the room, definitely, this morning. Uh, as we were coming together, it may be the sugar from the bake sale of new life, I don't know. Uh, but it also, um, just excitement to be here, be around the things of God. Or maybe you're here today and you're heavy hearted. You have uh, loved ones that are uh, with just sickness and, and ailing and, and there's no escaping um, the heartbreak and the sadness when, when our loved ones step off this earth. So wherever you are, I, I say that to say this, wherever you are, you're in a good place. Amen. You're in a place of hope. You're in a place of encouragement. It's okay to, to feel th th these things. It's okay. We're human beings. We're not infallible. We uh, are going to mess things up. But we serve a God, see, who supersedes all those human errors that we have in our life he is a god of comfort he's a god of hope he's a god that wants to meet you right where you are today i'll explain where we're going here in just a moment by way of the text but i did want to draw some attention to a couple things we want to welcome those watching on facebook this morning uh if we could turn around to the camera give away to raleigh we'll say um welcome raleigh to from cross point uh at home several are watching nancy stark's watching uh but also, uh, I usually don't put a spotlight on birthdays unless it's on Sunday. You know, we, hey, it's your birthday today. But this week is a big birthday coming up. Jewel Hargis. Jewel. I'm talking about you, Jewel. He's like, he talking about me? He has a birthday coming up this week. He's one day shy of being a groundhog. He's one, he's, his birthday is what, Thursday, Groundhog's Day is, is so last week I was teasing Jewel um, uh, about his birthday's coming up, and he goes, I'm 85, I'm going to be 85, and Joe's 
His son-in-law is going, no, you're going to be 95. I'm going to be 85. You're going to be 95. And Jewel gave Joe that look like, I want to be 85. <laughs> Jewel knew how old he was going to be. But we want to say happy birthday to Jewel um, on this Thursday. I hope it's a blessed and happy day for you that day. Good day. And just seeing friends, I see Jr., John Skinner, and I see Amber. Who else? Oh, you don't, yeah, you don't have the, the son now, yeah. You're, are you close to being empty nesters? Close. This is just you three. So, uh, but welcome. Good to see you. I'll see you after, after church as well. Today, at, uh, when we, in conjunction with our church, we have a business meeting. It's going to be really, all we're doing is um, uh, forming our nominating committee. It should be a very tight meeting, so I don't want to have to dismiss and all those things. It'll be in conjunction with our meeting. But we'll explain to that when we get to it. One of the things that happens this time of year as it relates to Cross Point Baptist Church, there is an administrative side to things. You, you can't avoid that in 2024 being a church. There's administrative things that have to happen next week. So we'll form a nominating committee today. We'll meet next week. Hopefully, we'll have election of officers in conjunction with our budget for 2024. So that's what the next two weeks, next week looks like as well. With that brings um, a topic that I introduced last week. And um, some uh, back in my, the, the memory of my mind and, and, and growing up in churches, it seems like um, the topic of money was talked about a lot. And so much so that it, it perhaps in me, because I grew up where there was always that pressing, pressing need and give, 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 to where I think for me, it, it, I, I, I kind of steer away to a fault because the Bible does teach us about life. Amen. Part of life is money. That, that's part of it. And so I started last week sharing some principles from the Bible of concerning Finances, your personal finances, not so much as they relate here, but at you. We need to do that freshen up in our spiritual walk and be reminded that worship takes on all forms, ways, shapes, and sizes. There's a lot of, a lot of ways to worship. It's not, you cannot stereotype in, or get pigeonholed into one way. What is worship? It's giving God your whole life. It's, it's every aspect of my life I want to. To point to him. Every aspect of my life brings honor to him. And part of that has to do um, with our finances. And I, I kind of set you up with that question last week is what aspect of coming to Cross Point Baptist Church do you look forward to the most? The sermon, maybe, fellowship, hit with the, the, the community that we have, the music. And I could probably get you to amen, but if I were to say, who's excited to worship by giving today? doesn't have quite the same uh, um, um, atmosphere with it, but it can. That's the point. It can. And I want to share these things biblically, um, what the Bible has for us today. Now, some people hear this and go, oh, yep, that's, it's budget time. He wants more money, so let's preach on giving. It's, that's, I promise you that is not how, what the mindset is here going into today's message. The question is posed two weeks ago, is the Lord among us or not? That was the question Israel asked themselves. They asked God in Exodus 17, verse 7. Is God among us or not? They were uncertain. They didn't know if God was with them or not. That's a scary place to be. In our walk as genuine believers, you can get wayward. Things happen. You can get wonky in it going, God, are you really there? Are, are we? I, I understand that. But not knowing, the, the, the not knowing if God is with you or not when you're walking your next step by faith can be a very scary place to be. But it's also be remind you that we're called to live by faith, not by sight. This sight stuff will, will trick you. I'm going to take a moment and share something that I'm very excited about this week. I love doing this. I got to do it yesterday. I'll be doing it again tonight. And that is being a part of an ordination council. 
I love it. I love everything about it. I was on the ordination board, of course, Roger, uh, when he did his, Pastor Rick. I was on the ordination council for Sam Judd, Scotty Brandenburg. <clears throat> I'm forgetting one somewhere. And then uh, also um, uh, to yesterday, I was asked to be a part of Trent Ogden's ordination council. Trent um, is from uh, Georgetown Baptist Church. Bink Garbett, Ron Garbett is the pastor there. He asked me, I, I knew Trent, we had, we had met several times, but uh, he asked if I would be on the council, and there was five of the board there. I love it because watching someone say, the Lord has placed a call on my life, at least, and you know what I found about the ones that are, that are interesting, uh, that I found to have validity, is the ones that go, I think the Lord has placed a call on my life. The ones that know everything for certain, like God's place to call my life, this is what it's going to look like, and this is where I want to go, and this is what it's going to be like. I tend to pump the brakes on that one a little bit. Because when you're walking by faith, you don't have everything laid out like that. Has anybody's life worked out exactly like you planned it so far? Nothing? Nobody? Didn't think so. Being part of this. And, and I'm, I'm there, and I love it, because I get to listen, and, and you're learning, you're listening to other pastors, and we're talking and one of the things that encouraged me listening to him share about his, there's a humility there, sharing about his calling, the call to ministry, is the urgency to take the word of God and get it in people's lives. Whatever that looks like. I, I love everything about it. So I was there yesterday, and then tonight I'll go back at 5 o'clock. There's an ordination service. Um, and Bank, I don't know what he was thinking on this. He gave three Baptist preachers 10 minutes each to give a charge. I said, Bank, that ain't happening, bro. You can't go 10 minutes. More or less, the other two pastors. So we're going to work on that. But uh, I'm excited to be uh, a part of it. When I watch an ordination, not only is the church saying we're validating, that person has a call in their life, the church is saying we see it. Boom. The, you have a council that says the, the, the theology, is it there? It's there. Boom. But it's the certainty that makes a difference. Is God with us or not? We were able to talk with this young man, and, you know, the pastors were telling him, it, it, right now is the easy fun part. You don't know what it looks like. You're going to be in your office some days trying to figure out what, how, how the wheels come off, what you're going to remember this today. You're going to remember your call because there's certainty that can come with it. Now, you may think, well, that's great for him. What about me? If you're a believer today, the Bible says you can know. There's a certainty to honoring him and walking with him. And even as it relates to all areas of our life, even as it relates to our finances. Last week, I shared or introduced the, the, the first point, if you will, is the proper view of treasure. We're not, we're not going to go backwards on that. But we looked at Luke 16, verses 10 through 12. There was a parable tucked away in there. That proper view of, of treasure is being very remindful that God really does own it all. Do you believe that? He owns it all. Remember that because in the end, toward the end of today, I'm going to ask you this question. I expect the same amen. Do you realize at the end of us walking on this earth that everything that we have is gone? When you lay your head down tonight, think about that. What if tonight you're done, you think, well, that was it. This is the last day on earth. It's all, it's all going to be gone. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? God owns it all, and it's also, it's all not going with you. So we have to have the proper view of our treasure. And that word treasure, I'm going to make sure to define this now so when we get to the text, we won't get lost. I used the word treasure last week, going back to Psalm, where it says, delight in, delight in the law of the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart, where your treasure is. Uh, he's talking about treasure, where your treasure is. That's where your heart will be also. And taking two verses there. He will give you the desires of your heart. You may think, oh, I want a new truck. I want a new golf club. I want to do whatever. That's not what that text is saying. He will give you what you've always longed for and you didn't know it. He will give you what you've longed for. And everything you try to put in your life to obtain it, he is that thing. He's that, he is it. 
That's the treasure. I'm going to use the word treasure here in a moment in other texts. Now, it only means stuff. Okay? There's two ways that word treasure is used. We had talked last week about the right ways to use our treasure, to meet our needs, to promote the work of God. Sure, these are right, good things. But today, in the first text, I'm going to have you, in fact, we may not even leave it, is 1 Timothy. You can start turning to 1 Timothy right now. I'll be quiet so we can hear the pages flopping and flipping. I love that. And then I'll tell you where we're going to head. 1 Timothy. First Timothy chapter six. First Timothy is a, is a letter. Paul's writing it to young Timothy, this young pastor. <clears throat> we talked about the right proper view of money. We talked about the right ways to use our treasure. I want to pick up this morning and continue on in a practical living way from Scripture the wrong attitude about our stuff about our treasure my treasure is mine that's a wrong attitude what's mine is mine and you won't share you, you, you tend to hoard what you have this passage actually in first timothy in fact go back a page go back to verse three uh chapter three go back to first timothy three three don't this is in the context of the qualifications of overseers elders bishops and it says, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. Now, verse 3 is right there in the middle of that. When you're looking for qualifications of an overseer, it means this already has to be in them, that they are not greedy for money. Not greedy for money. Not, not, not pursuing it with, with move everything out of the way and get that dollar. That's the, the character that the pastor is not to have. But it, it, it does indicate the heart. And I want to pose that question to you. What are you willing to do for resources? What are you willing to do? What are you, are you, what are you willing to sell? What are you willing to trade? A lot of times right now in our occupations, we're trading time for money. Right? We're willing to trade our time for money. And uh, we understand that. What are you willing to trade? What are you willing to do for money? That's an indicator of your heart. Now, the proper view is that, Lord, I love you. I want to honor you. I want to honor you in my occupation. That's the proper. We get it. We got it. Um, but we have to be very guarded because we all need to aspire not to be greedy for money, not to be greedy, but it sure does make it awful hard to live without it, doesn't it? We're going to pick up on that in just a moment. So that's one wrong attitude about it, is that it's mine. Number two is we deny God what's his. That's in Malachi. We're not going to turn to that text. But we end up denying God. We said he owns it all, and he's saying, this is what I would have. If you're going to love me, follow me. And we deny God what is ultimately his. But now look at that 1 Timothy 6 text. Look at this. You're going to be reminded and see things. That may rattle you, that may be a little convicting, it may pass, cast a shadow on your heart of hearts and you may not like it. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, that verse right there gets misquoted a lot. It does not say that finances are evil. It's the love. It's the, it, having, it, having the improper purpose and place in your heart of hearts is what makes it evil. Now watch where the verse goes. Because it's better translated as New King James has. For the love of money, the love of it, is the root of all kinds of evil. If you pursue... With, with a, a vigorous pursuit, you, you, you do whatever you got to do to pursue money, it's going to bring in all sorts of kinds of evil. Look at the movies you watch, perhaps. You, you watch these movies, maybe they're, 
the worldly movies and, and you watch how certain, uh, whether it be whatever the culture may be, but they pursue money and it brings in all these other avenues of evil into their life, all for the pursuit of money. With money, the world would say, comes power. It's an interesting thought when you realize what would one give for a soul because it all ends up being vanity and empty. It says in verse 6 that they, uh, that one, for the love of money, is, is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith. That word faith there, which, um, which ultimately leads to sorrow, the, the love of money, it, it leads to envy, it leads to strife, it leads to theft, dishonesty, selfishness, embezzlement, and even intolerance. What were you willing to do to get what you want? Well, let me let you look over Pastor Scott's shoulder for a moment. We, uh, many of you know Carl and I, how we roll. We're pretty, I think, I think we're like down here. We're not flashy. We, uh, uh, a little mouthy, but not flashy. Uh, but uh, I need to see you right after. <laughs> but have you ever go to make a purchase? car, house, whatever, and you always want that one that's just beyond that budget. You know what I'm saying? Where if I only had that little bit more, I could have that. And you start looking at ways you can get it. Well, they'll do 12 months, same as cash. 12 months, zero financing. Don't look at that 13th month, by the way, because they will pop you with that interest charge. You'll start looking at ways. Well, if I stop eating out here for X amount of weeks, then maybe I can get that money. Yeah, I'll pay it forward. We do it all. We play math gymnastics with, with, with math. What do you call that, Brad? A mathlete. Yeah, I asked my nerd of all nerds of that one, a mathlete. He makes the numbers work. You kind of get to do flips to make the numbers work to get what you want. Well, uh, right now, Carla, my short version is she wants me to get a truck. I want a truck. This is a beautiful thing. But man, as I went looking, there's that one is just, if I could have just that much, that little bit more, then we'll all be happy. Everybody will be happy. What are you willing to do to get what you want? What are you willing to do? Now, I'm not saying we love money, you don't, that's, but, but the, 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 the illustration there is, if I could just have that little bit more, what are we willing to do to get what we want? This is another reason why Crosspoint, we need to teach on biblical truths about money so that we can keep it in its proper place. I tell you, this is one of the topics that you bring up. I'm done apologizing for my, like, uh, my mindset. I, I'm kind of over that. You, you, this church knows me by now. We're, we're not money driven. We're money in, money out, and, and I, I want to go do that. I want to go do church. I want to... But, man, you bring up that topic of money, and it, it touches a raw nerve in our heart of hearts, doesn't it? What can I afford? What can I afford? You made bad decisions in money. We've all done that. And it's just one of them things that you just don't want to touch. I'm saying to you that we can honor God in our finances, in our personal finances. That's first and foremost. Push aside. If you have a wrong mindset and attitude, start there. I'm not saying give more. That's not even what I'm saying today. I'm saying give every aspect of your life to our Savior. Watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do. He'll make things last longer because you're honoring him. How to keep away from the love of money. Here's some warnings, and we can pick up speed here. Uh, being reminded of this, that one day riches will all be gone. Look in chapter 6. Look in verse 7. Look in verse 7. Look as it reads. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we will carry nothing out. We've heard that before. We've heard it in the book of Job, haven't we? Job said the very same thing. By the way, we have a new nickname for Chuck Danbury. We're calling him Job. We're calling him Job. Him got bit by a spider while in Florida. And he, he needs some love and sympathy for us. Amen. Amen on that. It's bad, dude. He got bit by, and that thing swelled up, and, uh, but we were talking about loathsome sores that are coming, and we thought about you and Job and the plight that you're going through right now. You can call him Job at least for the next week or two. But 
one day our riches will be gone. Verse 7, when it says, we brought nothing into this world, we can take nothing out. Job said that very line, not as a line, as a food for thought, because he was living it. Job was living that. I was reading, in, uh, reading through the Bible in a year, and I come up this last week, I was reading about the rich young man, and you know, what do I got to do to enter eternal life? And Jesus said, you got to sell these things. And he wasn't saying that this is what we all got to do. He's saying he was revealing his heart to himself. Then things were in the way of his heart, and he couldn't do it. And the commentary went on to say, it goes to show, and it worded so well, that even at the end of this life, with all that you've accumulated, it cannot do one thing for your soul spiritually. We have, as genuine believers, what the world can't buy. You're rich. You're rich today. And it's heartbreaking to see people, if I only had this, if I only had that, you're already rich and you just can't see it. Don't know how rich you are. Man, there's illustrations after illustrations of people that have, have accumulated wealth and don't even realize how wealthy or how much uh, they have. So look in verse 17 as well as we talk about one day it will all be gone. First uh, Timothy 6, look in verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be Hotty, okay, so a comma. We're going to pick that verse up in a minute. Look at what it's saying there. Paul is saying, command those that are, have means not, uh, he didn't say, tell them to go sell everything. It's not what he said. He didn't say, go, go, go rid of it all. You're, you're evil and you're because you're rich. He's saying those who are rich in this present age, don't be arrogant. Don't be haughty is what that word means. That's what he's telling them. He goes on, nor to trust in uncertain riches but in the living God. That's what we're sharing with you today. Don't trust in things. Here's an interesting thing about money. I like, um, uh, I think it's a true statement that we like, and I think it's needful to have finances for security. For security. You know, you know what I'm saying? Having money in the bank is secure. It's not uh, wondering how you're going to make it. And having it as a, a security is one thing, but to trust in it is a whole nother thing. How confident are you about the economy of our world right now? It's scary. We were talking about it in Faithful Life. We're talking about cash. You know, like it's going to be, you know, what cash? It seems like everything is digital now. It's going to be a, it's, it's a, we're chasing numbers on this earth. That is an uncertain thing when you're chasing riches. But trust in the living God who gives us richly, not money, but all things to enjoy. Be content with what you have. Look in verse 8, chapter 6, verse 8. Look at what he says. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Didn't say pursue, go for other things, have ambitions. That's a, but he's saying... Be content. And you know what I've learned the older I get? If I can stay warm and put something in this hole under my nose every couple hours, I'm pretty content. That works for me. Be content with what you have. Monitor what you are willing to do to get more money. Look in verse 9. Look in verse 9, the very next verse. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. You see what he's saying? You see what that verse is? Clearly, there's a warning there. And that's one thing about the word that we love is that it gives us a warning. What are you willing to do? It's a pitfall. Look in verse 10 that we already read numerous times. That love of money, that pursuit of it is the root of all kinds. It's another pitfall. Two verses back to back are saying, watch the pitfall. Better yet, love people more than you love money. Look in verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, right living, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. He goes on in verse 12, really, to say, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you also uh, called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Love people more than money. I heard a, I was in a meeting once, 
and uh, you know, church, you're trying to figure out how to do these things, and um, I said another church, and you know, the, 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 they were trying to make budget cuts and budget adjustments, and how do you do this, and how do you not, and all this, and, and, and one guy said, well, how come you know every single cent, you're trying to cut every single cent, but you can't tell me how many people are in congregation week to week. That tells me you love money more than you love people. It got a little contentious at that moment, but it was a valid food for thought point. We have to keep an eye on these things, but our primary goal at Cross Point Baptist Church is to love others. Now, let me rephrase that, is to love God, then we'll love others. It's, we're, we're not to be locked in, and if we will lift him up, men will be drawn unto him. Our love for one another will show to the world that you are my followers. You, you, you know the rest. I mean, I've, I've really made that point clear over the years here. Love God's people, love people more than money. Number two is love God's work more than money. Look in verse 11 again. It's right in there. But you, man of God, flee these things. Don't pursue the love of money. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Love God's work more than money. I was sharing with that young man yesterday, and I don't remember exactly how I worded it or able to took a break there. I said, you know, the calling, when you're called into ministry, it's so interesting. It's a, it's a, be it's a beautiful thing to watch him in power when, when you don't know how things are going to work and you watch God because this is his church and we're his bride. And, and to watch him work is, is an amazing thing, but it's a terrible job. It's a terrible job. All you do, there, there's always something. If, if, you, if you view uh, the pastorship as an occupation or a job, it's terrible. You, you, there, there's nothing but complaints and problems. There's always the next thing that's going to break. You're responsible for things that you don't really have a vested, you can't fix all the time. There's, it's, it's, it's wonky. You're on call. It's, it's all in things, but it's a beautiful calling. And that's what he's saying in, out of verse 11. Love the work. And guess what? That's not just for pastors. If you have a ministry today, love it. A wanna worker, love it. Get in there. Lead where you want the kids to go. Lead them by demeanor, attitude, actions, the book. Go through the book as they go through the book. What is your ministry up here as a worship leader or with the praise team? Put effort, put practice, put time into your ministry. You can't mail certain things in. And we have ministries all over the place. That If you have a ministry, love that work. Love it. Love what you're doing. I would also add this, freely share what you have with others. Look in verse 18. Look down to verse 18 of chapter 6, 1 Timothy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. You know, there's people in my life that no matter what, and they weren't people of means, that no matter what they had, they were willing to give me half of it. Numerous people. Charles Jones is one of them. It didn't. It could be. It could be a little Debbie, and he's willing to give me half of it. Do do them. Let them do good that they be rich in good works. Ready to give, willing to share. Boy, sharing is a hard thing to do sometimes, isn't it? It it, it could be. Well, we don't have to teach kids that. They know how not to share. You don't have to teach them not to share. But even as adults, sometimes we get pretty hanging on to things a little too much. Our treasure is a personal disclosure of who we are. So the question becomes this, where's your heart today? Turn with me to Matthew 16. I'm sorry, Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. I appreciate this as we're talking about this. You heard me mention several weeks ago that uh, we have this loan that in five years they're going to call the note. They've already told us we have 60 payments to go, you know, 60 months to get there. And... Um, Many of you, many of you have already stopped me and said, hey, I want to give to that. Hey, I want to, how's that work? I'm going to be in two weeks, two Sundays from now, I'll be telling you our, our plan for that. 
We do have a plan, but I appreciate the heart behind it. You are coming to us over this concern. And what is also uh, pleasantly surprising is the energy with which you're coming. You heard me show that number that in five years, they're going to call a note for $124,000. Now we'll be making our payments, but um, to watch the energy with which you, the members of Cross Point Baptist Church, are coming to me with that. That's, that's above and beyond is pretty encouraging for me and exciting. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. In the, this is on the Sermon on the Mount. He's, he's rocking and rolling right here. Uh, as Jesus is giving truth after truth after truth. And verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth, can, moth and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. Can I pause there for one second? He's not saying don't save. In fact, the scripture tells us to be to save. He's not saying don't save. He's saying don't put your focus in that. Don't put everything focused. You don't let your saving become your idol is what he's saying there. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth, rust destroys and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Do not lay up. Do not give priority to this, is what that means when he says do not lay up. Possessions are vulnerable. They're very vulnerable. Now here, that word treasure, it, it, it can mean money or things that you value the most. Can I tell you something pretty cool? Carl and I, this week, we got up in the attic. You know, we're getting too, I'm getting too old to be climbing up in the attic. I'm just saying. Crawl space and attic, I'm kind of done with. But I want to go up there. We had a couple boxes. Let's get everything out of the attic. We got a shit. Let's just get it out of there. Put it in shed. We get up there and we get down some old documents. Aaron and Caitlin had boxes of, uh, you know, artwork. Uh, whew, or artwork. <laughs> that used to hang in our house. I can't believe we ever hung out in our house. We get them boxes down, but I found some pretty cool things. I found a box of my toys when I was a kid. And uh, die-cast cars, I got, I got three of them. And it just brought back memories for me. And I, man, my box, I took it in the house, and I got soap and water, and I cleaned them up. I would play and play, especially on Friday nights when Dukes of Hazards was on, I would play with that truck, and it had a car carrier, and I would get the car off. I would play for hours. That's a treasure for me. That's that memory, right? Their memory. I did go ahead and eBay them. They're worth about 100 No, the one was worth about 100 bucks. The rest are worth 40 bucks. but I wouldn't take a million for them. Well, maybe a million. But I'm just saying the treasure isn't in the thing. It's just cheap metal. It's not actually it's pretty good metal. One was a Tonka. It's good stuff, but it's not the value what it, you would look at it and go, what's chipped, it's beat up, it's metal, what's, what's the deal? You, I know the deal. It's everything to me. We even found a dinosaur that Aaron had. Remember when Jurassic Park was a thing that we don't believe in, the evolution thing? Uh, but he had his dinosaur yay big and put in new batteries. It still came to life. We had memories. There's memories there watching that kid play with that. Treasure isn't always the stuff, watch where I'm going with this, it can also be spiritual treasure. Go back to the text. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart be. What's he say in verse 20? Lay, it for, lay up for yourself treasures where? In where? In heaven. Lay them up in heaven. Now, old school, when I heard this text, I heard preachers say this when I was growing up in churches, that meant you got to give your money to the Lord. He lays it up in heaven for you. It's not what that's saying. Lay up things of spiritual, eternal value in heaven. Being well-pleasing to him. These treasures are very much spiritual. Where you spend your time, your talent, and your attitude, your investments, your energies, is where your heart is going to be. That's what verse uh, 21 is saying. Your total being. Your total being. Our treasure is a personal disclosure of who we are. Sometimes it's on display. Sometimes other people can't see it. So I want to share one more verse, one more thought before we transition to our 
business meeting, and it's in Proverbs 4.23. You can turn there. I'm going to have Jackson put it on the screen as well. The question is, where is your treasure? That's the last question that I want to pose before you this morning. Where is your treasure? The treasure is in our heart, and he's saying, lay that up in heaven. That's the treasure. Where is your treasure? Your treasure is in your life, the center of your thinking, the center of your emotions. And he's saying, lay it up in heaven. Keep your heart with all diligence, comma. Keep your heart in the heavenlies. You, you got to live in this world, but keep your heart in God. How do you see this? God, how do you, God, here's my heart. Take my heart and seal it. The songs that we sing, put a fetter, because I want to walk away from you. I want to run away from you sometimes. Keep my heart with all diligence in heaven. Keep, it, keep my heart and mind fixed on the spiritual things of you. But keep my other foot, one foot's in heaven, keep my other foot walking on this earth. Why? If you get your heart, the treasure of your heart all mixed up, you're going to have these issues that are going to spring. Out of your heart spring the issues of life. But if you keep your heart fixed on eternal things, especially teenagers, if I get teenagers, see this, you've, these things that we think are going to fill, especially now, so many things are being flashed at them. Man, they're bubbles, man. They're bubbles. You ever try to catch a bubble? At best, at best, you can catch a bubble. We chase things like that. Keep your, keep your heart clean from the lure of stuff. Issues of life spring from our hearts. Our treasure is personal disclosure of who we are. The question I want to ask you and conclude with is this, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? So whether I shed some light in an area that was uncomfortable today, you know what, this topic is extremely uncomfortable for me, but it makes us to, it, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Let's course correct to honoring him in our lives. We have to course correct to honor him in our lives. I'm speaking to the Christian now, and I want to speak to one that may be watching on Facebook or is a guest or visitor today that you're like, man, I didn't, is that, will you do this every week? No. We're, this, is, this is living. We want to encourage you to have that right relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the greatest treasure you're ever going to have is the proper relationship with Jesus Christ because it's going to get you to and through the presence of our God, the creator of who created you, that in that proper relationship. Turning from self and turning to him is a hard thing to do, but it's the greatest blessing, it's the greatest thing, it's the greatest treasure, one of the treasures we're talking about, that you can have is when you give your life fully, devoted, surrendered to him. And by the way, all these things will start to make sense as well. Let's bow for prayer for a moment. Can we do that? Today we are not having a, a formal invitation, if you will. We would suspect that if you have any business to do with God, that you would do just that. You would take this time, take this effort to say, Lord, I, I want a course correct. I want you to convict my heart. I want you to encourage my heart. I want you to restrain me in certain areas. I want you to give me spiritual insight as it relates to the topic of the day. You be our God. May we always be ready for you to do a work in our hearts and lives. We're asking you to do a, heart, a work in our hearts and lives. We're asking you to bless Cross Point Baptist Church today. I pray that those that are hearing, if they need their Life Point Bible Study Group leader, they would reach out to them. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. Is it good to be at Cross Point Baptist Church today? Amen. This is um, a rather...